0: Yo, it's the South Side's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. A massacres this ball to left center field. It goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block. Brown. 50-10-5. Touchdown. 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 It. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky the 42 yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring, Stevo's got him up. A
1: slam. But Blair inside. Great one, two. He made it. He did it. Steve like
2: Russell. And Blair has done it. Blair has done it. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN
0: 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up, what's up? And live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you at 312 332 ESPN, 332 3776. As a telephone number, hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. Hood. Also on Instagram, IGJHood, Hood, as we broadcast live. From our first Midwest Bank studios. On the program tonight, we will hear from Jesse Rogers in a moment. As the Cubs get ready to take on the White Sox, when the Cubs take on the White Sox, four times a year, I hate the Cubs because it's the opposition of the White Sox. So there will not be that uh, down the middle commentary for me on Cubs and White Sox because my team is going into Wrigley Field. And so uh, absolutely looking forward to Jesse Rogers talking to us about the Cubs and Sox series. So I, I have the right four times a year to give a middle finger to Chicago Cubs baseball because I want my team to be able to get it done, to be able to get better, and of course everything is about you know step-by-step step for this team, right? I mean, there's not a lot of big expectations for the White Sox, but for some Sox fans, this is the playoffs, <laughs> so we'll see what happens in the two games here, and then in two games over a guaranteed rate. So we'll hear from Jesse in just a moment. Also, we will have one question. Uh, you know, some people just don't have time to spend with us for a full interview, but some have time at least for one question. We'll have that coming up for you every night at seven fifty. Also, Jordan Cornett will be in studio with us. Jordan Cornett, the Notre Dame, Fighting Irish star, uh, working with uh, Spain & Company these days on ESPN Radio. We'll hear from Jordan Cornett coming up at 8.10 in studio. Bear Down, we'll talk about everything else around the National Football League, including John Fox. Uh, some thoughts about John Fox coming up at 8.35. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. And uh, appearance number two of ten. With Ryan Hollins, yes, Ryan Hollins, who said your expectation for Game Four is for the if if a healthy Clay is good enough to play, you believe the Warriors will win, right?
3: They absolutely win.
1: They absolutely win. I give you like ten free interviews on the house. If
0: they win. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If the if the Golden State Warriors wins, then he was in the clear. But the Toronto Raptors won the championship, so he owes us ten appearances. He had his first last night appearance number two uh tonight uh right here on ESPN 1000 under the hood and he is just so mad that he lost that bet but he's gonna he's gonna be a frequent guest now because he lost the bet so uh, we'll hear from ryan Hollins coming up the hot taker uh, from ucla coming up at nine ten. also if you're a wrestling fan i got you tuesday wrestling tuesday every tuesday night a half hour after smackdown live is over i don't know if i should promote smackdown based on the ratings these days uh, but I know that we have Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I think we're doing better than SmackDown, quite frankly. Uh, so 9.35, WWE legend D'Lo Brown and Bears fan, huge Bears fan, D'Lo Brown's going to be with us. So a little mixture of a little wrestling and Bears talk with him coming up at 9.35. All part of the mix on this Tuesday. Hope that you enjoy your Tuesday night. As we keep your company here until 10 o'clock, there's Dan Levitard, Stu Gatz, and Greg Cody right here on ESPN 1000. To Wrigley Field in the press box, let's go to Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs, for ESPN.com. And Jesse joins me here on Under the Hood with John the Hood. Jesse, as always, I appreciate your time. So how does it feel covering another Cubs and Sox series? Do you remember that first one? Oh,
3: man, it was a while ago. Uh, I remember the good one, you know, the intense one, the fight. Um, the, the the rhetoric back and forth before and after games. It's hard to remember twenty two years ago. I think I think that's that that's how long they've been doing this. But it's it's good to see the Sox come out of the rebuild here, and you know maybe we'll get some fireworks. Who knows? I mean the good kind. I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but I want to see an intense couple of days here at Wrigley and two more on, on the south side. And you know maybe a year from now, um, the Sox are contending for division. Maybe it'll be this year. Who knows? But you want both teams good. That's the first thing you want and then you'll see uh, sparks fly a little bit.
0: You know, there's, there's some players, and I don't blame them, Jesse. There's some players that just don't get it, maybe not from the area, not understanding the rivalry. You know, hear it from fans, but they might not feel it in the clubhouse. On either side, Cubs or Sox, is there a feeling like, yeah, this is more than just another uh, regular season game?
3: I think it feels that way for the Sox for sure. Um, because, you know, it's funny. The game is worth a, is worth the same in the standings as as next week's games are right or last week's or yesterday's so that that part i mean we get the players don't need to repeat that but to see the fans and the stands and the intensity there it has to carry over a little bit on the field so i don't i i said this on tv a few minutes ago i think that before the series begins it's hard for the players to gauge it or remember it even from a year ago for those that have done it before but once they they step on the field and they hear the cheers i mean especially here at wrigley there's not many cheers for the visiting team. Well, tonight there will be. So once they feel that and they feel that energy and look in the stands, you can see a Cubs fan fighting a Sox fan. I think it <laughs> carries over a little bit on the field. I think the intensity goes up a notch. And then if there is a, uh, a weird slide or a at to play or a high and tight pitch, then you start to feel it a little bit, even more on um, more than let's say if the Cubs and some other team are playing, you know? So I, I just think that it all adds up. If you have a good game an intense game, and a game that has meaning,
0: Jesse. Um, before we even take a look at the Cubs and Sox series, let's talk about the Cubs on the road once again. Falling short against Colorado, falling short against the Dodgers. What was your overall takeaway from how the Cubs had that two and five road trip?
3: I, it's similar to their previous road trip when they went one and five. It really is. They're just not able to get over the hump, especially in close games. Um, I believe they're four and seven now in one run games on the road. Just kind of reverse that if they were seven and four, man it would feel a lot better. So I, I can't put my finger on it. Jed Hoyer addressed it today. He really can't put his finger on it other than to say it has to change, and he thinks it will, and I tend to think it will. Remember, some of their tougher series are now behind them. A Colorado-LA Dodger trip, I don't care what kind of team you are, that's going to be tough um, for a lot of different reasons, obvious reasons. They still have San Francisco and San Diego out west, but you know the Diamondbacks are better, and they were able to go out there and win two out of three uh, that opening trip where they went two and seven is far in their in the rearview mirror. I do think better days are ahead on the road, but just like I can't explain what's gone on really, except they haven't pitched as well. I can't tell you exactly why I believe that. I just think that if things even out. This is a good team, and I don't think they're going to finish six games under five hundred on the road.
0: Cubs and Sox about to start Jonathan Hood on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN app. I want to get your thoughts on the Sox and their uh, rebuild because it is different than the Cubs rebuild. I I said last night. In order for the Sox to really start to rebuild, it's about free agency and also probably some leadership. This is no shot at Renteria, Jesse, but you just think that once you're ready to win that a lot of things would change, and probably including the manager.
3: You know, I don't know about that this time around because he's already had the experience here at Wrigley, and remember, he was was still going to be the manager if Joe Madden did not become available. So if you're telling me there's a Joe Madden type manager out there ready to take over, and complete this rebuild, okay, I'll buy into it. But I don't know if, if Ricky's going to move on. I just don't know that they're playing well. This reminds me of uh, the second half of 2014 when the Cubs came on pretty pretty strong. I think they were 500 or a little bit above under Renteria, but Joe Maddon became available, and they wanted to be sure they had the right guy for the Rolls-Royce that uh, Theo and Jed put together. Um, I see actually a lot of similarities in a sense. You're right, they still have not added that John Lester you know, that will really uh, ignite them into the next phase. So once they do that, there's another similarity, but they haven't yet. They haven't yet. They don't have the, 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 the complete veteran leadership, as you just mentioned, but I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming. The, co- the stocks may have a lot of money to spend. They made a lot of money last year. That came out through Forbes and other places. They've made offers to the free agents. I think it's going to happen again. The beauty is, in baseball, there's always another free agent you can go after every year, right? And there's going to be more this year. So they're not quite there yet, but they're on the verge. And 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 like I said, with a lot of money to spend, you're going to get somebody here.
0: you still own the uh, Sherlock Holmes Cub Sox cap? Why don't you wear that on TV? I
3: I should have brought it. Well, actually, I don't have it. I gave it to the Monsters of the Morning, (laughs) the TV show, years ago. And they used it as a display, and I never found it again. Oh. but I do have a, a reversible Cubs sock shirt that I didn't, I didn't bring today. I'll bring it tomorrow. I'll bring it tomorrow. But yes, the the, the Sherlock Holmes hat was a was a hit on both both in both clubhouses. So if you want to say hit, you know, get the hell out of here with that. That's that's what usually the response I got wearing it. I love that hat.
0: It's just yeah. so classic, Jesse. Tell people totally. About- I I, Go
3: I got to find it. North and Jiggets have it. Somebody has it.
0: It's in a box someplace, stuffed in, yeah. in Park Ridge someplace. Right, right, totally. <laughs> so, so you tell me, uh, because people need to know about your book, man. This is a great time with the Cub Sox series to read more about Joe Madden.
3: Yeah, a uh, biography on Joe Madden in the final year of his contract. Uh, may be back, may not be back. Try not to suck. You'll learn why that is the title of the book if you pick it up at Amazon or your local bookstore. There's always a holiday around the corner. You can get a gift to, uh, for, for your loved one. Try Not to Suck is the one for me.
0: My friend, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on.
3: You got it, Jay
0: Hood. Take care. Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. We'll hear from Jesse at the bottoms of the hour, updating us on the Cubs and the White Sox from Wrigley Field. Glad to have you in today. A lot of news, especially regarding the NBA that we'll get to as we move forward here. As I mentioned, we are, uh, gonna hear from Jordan Cornette coming up at 810, uh, one of the hosts of Spanning Company right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. I, um, I wanna give you, um, some thoughts about a column that was written by Darnell Mayberry. Darnell Mayberry from the athletic.com wrote this piece. It says, if there is one time you can trust the bulls, it's draft night. So he's talking about a interview that Michael Reinsdorf did with the flagship station of the Chicago bulls. And Michael Reinsdorf was talking about how he's expressed confidence in John Paxton and Garth Foreman. And that if you take a look at the total picture and you take a look at all the circumstances, that you really cannot control the injuries like Derrick Rose's injury. That he feels like the Bulls have built championship caliber teams that they've built, you know, quality teams. He says, I look at the drafts. This is what Michael Reinsdorf says. I look at the drafts that we've had. And whether that's Nikola Miritich or Taj Gibson or Joe Kim Noah at nine, I think they've really done a really good job. I analyze the draft record and I compare it to what other teams have done. And I talk to other people. I talk to other GMs in the league and, for, and former GMs. And I ask them what they think. I haven't found anyone to tell me that they think they were doing it wrong. Now, i tell you something, unless it's a, it's a really close friend, if you're in the same business with someone else, Unless that guy's a complete jerk, isn't someone going to tell you to your face, yeah, you're doing fine? You own a business and you figure and you say, hey, you think we're doing okay? If that person's not going to tell you the truth, they always tell you, yeah, you're fine. So there are some people lying to Michael Reinsdorf. I don't even have to name, name the names. Clearly, there's some people that says, oh, Mike, yeah, you're doing fine. Well, he- here's the thing about this column that really got me stirred up. Darnell wrote that the Bulls are now home to the longest-tenured executive without a championship on his managerial resume. Paxson moved into sole possession of a distinction as desirable as a pit stain after Washington fired President of Basketball Operations Ernie Grunfeld in April. Next season will be Paxson's 17th. The Bulls made the playoffs in 11 of Paxson's 16 seasons, but have advanced past the first round only four times. They've reached the conference finals only once, nine seasons ago. He goes on to talk about Daryl Morey in Houston and Sam Presti in Oklahoma, how they were both hired in 2007. They're the only general managers without championships who've been on the job longer than Foreman, who preceded Paxton as GM in 2009. Morey has rescued the Rockets from a decade of post-championship mediocrity, so he talks about that. He also goes on to say this. He says that the Bulls, by and large, have maximized value throughout the first round. Paxton's 16-year ledger does not lie. Under his watch, Chicago has selected Derek Rose, first overall, Joe Kim Noah, seventh overall, and Jimmy Butler, 30th overall. Combined, that trio has collected one league MVP, nine all-star selections, a Defensive Player of the Year award, a Rookie of the Year award, and Most Improved Player award. All these are facts, by the way, from Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic. He also talks about this draft as we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. He said that you have to go all the way back to 2006 to find the biggest draft night blunder of the Paxson era. Trading number two overall pick, Lamarcus Aldridge, to Portland for number four overall pick, Tyrus Thomas. The team's only other questionable draft came in 2014. That's when the Bulls traded up to number 11 to snag sharp shooting forward Doug McDermott. Chicago sent Denver the 16th and 19th picks overall. That was Gary Harris and Nurkic, of course. He says that the two missteps in 16 years of drafting is commendable for any front office, regardless of circumstance. So there's a lot more of this uh, pablum written by Darnell Mayberry. Can I tell you something? And this is why I've wanted Darnell on the show. I wanted Darnell on the show, then he's on, on with Chris and Adam on Sunday. So eventually he'll be on this show. Because I want to ask you about this column, right? I want to ask him about how he views championship-level basketball, right? Because here's the problem I have with the column. The problem I have with the column is, is that what do you say success is? How do you consider success? Is success based on just being good in the draft, being okay in the draft? Is it based on being able to have players that win awards or is it about the number one award? That's the Larry O'Brien trophy. Now, I understand that the championship is not geared for everybody. We've been talking about this a lot on the show, that it's really about dynasties. Gold Golden State wins their dynasty, and then Lakers have their dynasty, Celtics have their dynasty, and, and it's, it's just about teams that win multiple championships. That's how the league has been built, right? I understand that's not for everybody, but the idea that we can look at the Bulls draft and say, well, you know, they get it right. And then, like, at the end of the piece that Darnell writes here in The Athletic, and I circled it here. It says, Reinsdorf is right. Paxson and Foreman have really done a really good job. <laughs> Here's the thing that I don't understand about that. Even though you can make the excuses, you can make the arguments about the Chicago Bulls, isn't the bottom line winning championships? Isn't the bottom line getting into the playoffs? What do you consider success? I can understand if we're in Charlotte doing this show, right? ESPN Charlotte will have our NASCAR update at the bottom of the hour. I can understand if we are in Phoenix talking about the weather report at the top of the hour and how hot it is. I understand if we're in some of these other markets where the NBA is there, but it doesn't really resonate with everybody. The point is that in Chicago, we know what championship-level basketball is because of the six banners that are hanging at the United Center. I, I, I don't understand that column and that frame of mind that says, well, you know, they get it right in the, in the draft. If you get it right in the draft, that's one thing, but how? what about the development of said draft pick? Where, where's the development of those guys? You're only talking about a couple of missteps. There's a lot more. I mean, there, there's a lot more that we can get into that they did not do right. But but the idea that this column is written pretty much saying that, well, you know, the one thing for sure on draft night, <laughs> tell you what, Bulls get it right. Fine. But where are you going? Is there not a bottom line to this or is it just me? I don't know. I just think that my standard's a little bit different than most. I think that my standard is is the same as is some of yours in that, did you win the championship? Are you close to a championship? Are you a perennial playoff team? Are you building towards something? Now, the last part of that, yes, you're building towards something. But if you're always injured and there's always eight teams, nine teams, 12 teams ahead of you, then what, what are you? You're not a playoff team. You're not a team that is built on success. So what are you talking about here? So, So I'm supposed to feel good watching Bulls basketball knowing that once upon a time, the Bulls drafted Taj Gibson. Once upon a time they got Nikola Miritich. Once upon a time they were able to to make certain moves in the draft. And so so what is that worth? Plan you know having decent players, that great decent players in the draft, giving us Kirk Heinrich with the number 7 pick in 2003, Ben Gordon or Ben Jordan. At number three, Luol Deng with the number seven pick in 2004. Thabo Stefalosha, the number 13 pick in 2006. Noah, Rose, James Johnson, Taj Gibson, Miritich, Bobby Portis, Laurie Marketin, Wendell Carter Jr. at number seven last year. But yet, we're going to just hide Marcus T. Going to just push aside Tony Snell. Even I, on national radio, tried to prop up Tony Snell as a nice role player for the Bucks, and I was lying to myself. I don't even know why the hell I said that. <laughs> you know, Tony Snell is long and athletic, and he's, he's reborn with Milwaukee. I was lying to myself. I don't even know why I said that. Some things, you, you say something, and it just comes out, and it's like, oh, why did I say that? That's not true. How, how many great Snell moments do you remember in the playoffs this past season, Right. Let's, talk, let's let's talk about Chris Duhan and all his great moments with the with the Bulls. Omar Omar Aşik and all the great things that he did. Those diamonds in the rough, right? Come on, man. You can identify talent, but and again, you can stockpile talent. But what are you doing with the talent? Is it there? Is there not a bottom line, or do you just look at the success of the draft? Now, here's what's going to happen on Thursday. The Bulls will find a a fine draft pick at seven. Culver will be there. They'll take Culver at seven, possibly. Fine. And and at the end of the night, they'll feel good about seven. And we should all feel good about seven. But the thing is, is that what about the talent over here? All this talent that won't come to the facility and work out, but they come to play and they get injured and then you don't know what you have. 16, 17 years of this. Ernie Grunfeld, the Wizards finally said, you know what? This isn't working. And, And so, There's something to be said about loyalty. Something to be said about loyalty. You can look at someone and say, you know what? That guy comes into work or that woman comes into work every single day and you can see that they're putting the work in. But if the end result is not exactly what you're looking for, whether it is your business, whether it is in your personal life, if you haven't achieved your ultimate goal after a certain amount of time, things have to change. If you're doing it the same way over and over again, I can't do this show the same way week after week. I can't do it the same way. I can't hear the same things and hear me have the same opinions every single week. So the same thing here with your business in the, in the businesses for the bulls, right? How can you go about your business doing it the same way without a fresh set of eyes doing something a little bit different outside the box. But yet in this column for Mayberry, the bulls have done it right. They've had some good first round picks. So you know what? <laughs> if, if there's one time that you could trust the Bulls, it's draft night. Okay? Is draft night the NBA championship? Are they holding up a trophy after they take Jarrett Culver at seven? That's, that's the point. The ultimate goal is the championship, right? So, yeah, or at least getting close to that. Like, I'll give you an example. I'll give you Portland as an example, right? Portland's always in the mix. Always in the playoffs. They fall short, but they're always in the playoffs. It's, it's not because they stop trying. Who wouldn't want Lillard and McCollum on their team? It's just a top-heavy Western Conference. They tried. And you can see how they're trying to move around certain parts to try to get there. 19, 18, 19 years of consecutively getting to the playoffs. Yeah, you want the Larry O'Brien trophy, but at least they're trying to get do something different, trying to get in the mix. What are the Bulls doing? Ah, the one time you can trust them, though, that's on draft night. Okay? But if a lot of those guys are hurt, what... <laughs> what, what? What's the reward? Everybody gets a trophy, including on draft night, apparently. Coming up next, Chicago's own Anthony Davis. His name continues to trend. There's a reason. We tell you why. Coming up next. Jonathan Hood.
1: Hold on, wait a minute. you thought I was finished. When I would you thought it was yeah.
0: On ESPN 1000.
1: Maybach music.
0: Under the Hood with Jonathan
2: Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
0: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's the Cubs, it's the White Sox at Wrigley Field. Here's Jesse Rogers who files a report. Jess.
3: All right, Jay Hood, Cubs up 1-0 as they come to bat here in the second inning. Some good drama early on. Ely Jimenez steps to the plate in the top of the first with the bases loaded and one out. Cole Hamels on the mound. He gets him to uh, ground into a 5-4-3 double play. Gets out of that first inning jam, does Hamels, just as he did last start in Colorado. He rolled after that. And Of course, he comes back with a 1-2-3 second inning. So that's now 25 consecutive innings pitched by Cole Hamels and give, and he's given up zero earned runs, just one overall during that stretch, but none earned in the month of June so far. He's been pitching great. Uh, As I said, the Sox go down one, two, three in the second. The Cubs, of course, on the board with a Kyle Schwarber leadoff home run on the very first pitch of the game. That's the second time in a week he's hit a first pitch home run. He did it off of Clayton Kershaw in L.A., and now he does it tonight, his 16th overall, 11th as a leadoff man, his fourth to lead off a game this season. So, He's slugging—that's for sure—at the top of the order. One nothing Cubs lead as they bat in the second. Back to you.
2: Under the hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights
0: on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Let's remind you of the NBA Draft Show. On Thursday, Chris Bleck and I will broadcast live from the Advocate Center in Chicago, the Bulls training facility. Our start time is 6 o'clock, a special time, 6 o'clock for our NBA draft coverage. We'll be there from 6 until. Ever have one of those party pluggers that says the time and then it says till and then it's blank? That's what the NBA draft is. Uh, I've been at the draft as late as midnight one year, so who knows? Who knows? might be 11, might be 11.30. You never know. But we will start at 6 o'clock on Thursday for the NBA draft right here on ESPN 1000. Who will the Bulls take? Find out Thursday. All right. Um, so we'll hear from Jordan Cornett, who uh, covers the everything in the world of sports over ESPN Radio and also part of Spain and Company. We'll hear from George. He'll be in studio with us coming up at 810 right here on ESPN 1000. Also, we have one question for a mystery guest. One question. People busy. Weeknights, right? But someone has time for one question. We'll have that for you coming up in our next segment here on ESPN 1000. There's a ton in my right hand. There's a ton of trade news and a lot of NBA movement. There's nothing like the NBA when it comes to the offseason. You may not like the regular season. You may not like the playoffs. You might have a problem with parity. You know, go to the state wins every year. Toronto won the title. But there's nothing like the offseason. The pettiness. The stories, the back and forth, the the conjecture, the speculation, it's really something. So, uh, Bobby Marks, friend of the program, former GM of the Nets working with ESPN, was talking on Twitter about what's going on with Chicago's own Anthony Davis. For those of you that don't know, you should know, that Anthony Davis was traded from New Orleans to the Los Angeles Lakers. And so um, Adrian Wojnarowski, we'll start with him, said the Lakers are trying to expand Anthony Davis's trade and create ability to open a max salary slot on July 6th. Sources tell Bobby Marks and me Lakers offering contracts of Mo Wagner, Jamario Jones, Isaac Banya to additional teams. So L.A. can satisfy CBA rules on creating a thirty two million dollars cap space. Under this scenario, Bobby Marks says, Davis would need to waive all of his $4 million trade bonus to make the money work. If there is a taker, the Lakers could sign one or multiple players with that $32.5 million uh, for room on July 6th and still make the AD trade on the same day. As of now, the Lakers will have $23.8 million in room. Wow. So, Okay. So you have two choices if you're the Lakers. There's a lot of middle of the barrel free agents that you can find. If you if Kyrie Irving's not coming, and with Kyrie Irving, he, he just you have no idea what's on his mind. It sounds like Brooklyn because he fired his agent at Wood Rock Nation, but with him, you just never know. Like as a space cadet, I have no idea what he's thinking because it all depends, right? It, it, it all depends on the day. Might might be aligning himself with LeBron again in Los Angeles. All I know is that if I'm a player today, I want to get myself in a position to win the NBA championship as quickly as possible. That's where the league is now. There's some that want to set up their own place and some that says, okay, I'll be part of the, this conglomerate in order to win a championship. I know one thing Kyrie Irving's not going to take less. Okay. So as I mentioned, you have two choices. You can, Fill that spot with Kemba Walker or with Kyrie Irving or someone else that you feel is deserving of that. Or go to the middle of the barrel and find yourself several free agents that can help this, uh, this Lakers team. Get a couple of choices. It's, it's interesting. Uh, Lakers are aggressively pursuing the contract or the purchase of second-round picks in Thursday's NBA Draft 2. League sources tell ESPN those picks will offer two important things for Los Angeles. Acquisition of inexpensive labor and ability to exceed the salary cap with those minimum contracts. So there's some news there. Also, some drama in Boston. So let me be the first to tell you. That's why I love this show because we have tomorrow's talking points tonight. So I already, I already got it covered. That's why I enjoy this so much because I already got the news for tomorrow. I got first take in my hand. If you pardon the expression. So Steve Bullpit, who covers the Celtics, right? Felix, major change in the Al Horford situation. Per, per his source, close to Horford, his side, speaking of Horford, is no longer discussing a new three-year deal to stay with the Celtics. He's expected to sign a four-year free agent contract someplace else. Now, Again, along with Kyrie Irving news from Mark Stein, the Nets strongly believe that there are frontrunners to sign Kyrie Irving uh, when free agency commences on June 30th. That and much more <laughs> that's going on right now around the NBA. So the Nets strongly believe that they are front runners sign Kyrie Irving. Whew. Okay, so let me just give the Nets credit. Once they do sign Irving, I think it's going to happen. Let me give them credit and cross the Celtics off as a contender. We'll do that tonight. If Kyrie's not coming back, and whatever you think of Al Horford, right? If I'm not mistaken, I have the numbers in front of me. He is stepping away from $30 million? Boy, it must be toxic in Boston. Ain't no way I'm stepping away from $30 million, $30 million plus for, <laughs> to, to leave Boston. Maybe Al Horford fe- says this. If, Ky- if Kyrie Irving's not around, I'm not sticking around. Like, who's going to help us now? <laughs> it's not me in the post. It's not me with my soft jumper. That's something, man. So now let me cross the Celtics off as a team that is destined to win the championship or win the East. That's over now. Now we're looking at what happens with Toronto. This is why it's so compelling. So with Toronto, they're going to do all they can to keep uh, Kawhi Leonard in the province of Ontario, and the country of Canada, and a long-term deal possibly with the Toronto Raptors. They want to do this, right? So here's the thing that is so interesting is that um, when you look at the Toronto Raptors they have they can go all in with Leonard and maybe have a chance for the championship Philadelphia has to mature and but Boston to me it's off the list I think that I think that's done now after all that work they put a lot of work in getting assets and draft picks and making sure that they have enough and they still have those assets but they are not close to the championship. If you recall, if you listen to this show closely, I said during the playoffs that this is the toughest time that Brad Stevens ever had as a head coach. First of all, we revealed the one loss record for Brad Stevens in the playoffs, which is under 500. And I know that on the, you know, on the surface, people just say, oh, Brad Stevens, genius, basketball genius. Yes, perfect. Yeah, but under 500 as a playoff coach. And yet this year was a tumultuous year for him. Because it was the first time that a star player called him out. Oh, my God. They actually called out the genius. Yes. Kyrie. And again, take it for what it's worth. Kyrie Irving twice, I can recall, this past season was like, you know what? I told the coaching staff we should do this. And they went did that and we lost the game. The one thing that comes to mind is uh, the Celtics against Charlotte. And Kemba Walker is a beast. I don't know where he's going Kemba says he might stay in Charlotte. That's kind of the rumor. Might go to the Lakers, whatever. But there was a game where Boston played Charlotte. And for whatever reason, Boston refused to double him late in the game, and they lost the game. And Kyrie Irving told the press, he says, well, you know, I've been playing Kemba Walker for a long time, and I know that I need help, (laughs) especially down the stretch. And the coaching staff left it one-on-one, and so we lost the ball game. Now, of course, it's up to Kyrie to stop Kemba Walker, but it's all about help defense in the NBA. And so for the first time, the genius Brad Stevens got uh, called out for him not being able to have the right scheme. So we talk about the NBA with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So with all of this, it makes me wonder about the number four pick, right? What happens with the number four pick in the draft? We know the Bulls are at seven, but what about number four? That's a Pelicans pick. And, and so because of this Anthony Davis deal they The Pelicans have number one and Zion Williamson, and number four is still to be determined. What do you do with the number four pick if you're the Pelicans?
2: I'm looking to move back in the draft so i'm I'm, I'm moving four. I think if you are um, if you are David Griffin and you're looking at a team like Atlanta, can you get eight and ten? I might be a little bit too rich for the Hawks to move up. Um, you know, four slots there. Um, I think there's going to be plenty of options. I don't see a player out there right now. That is uh, an NBA player that's attainable for pick four, um, just because of you know there's so few that are limited out there to go out and get. I think Bradley Beal would have been a great name, right? I mean, if if but they don't have a general manager, um, I think it's you know that will probably cost you most of what you got back in that in that Laker trade with with Davis here. So um, I, I think I'm looking at moving back here. If not, then you then you keep it. Um, and you'll get a good player. It's just a matter of like, is it going to be Darius Garland from Vanderbilt or DeAndre Hunter from Virginia, Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech? So, um, I think Griff will be active. Wojas, you know, basically he said there's an auction going on for that pick right now. It's just a matter of do teams are, how much is teams willing to kind of move up to number four to get.
0: Okay, uh, Felix, write this down. Okay, this is how I feel right now on June 18th at, about the Eastern Conference. The teams are in a good spot right now to make the playoffs. And, again, there's value to make the playoffs for the 1920 season, right? I think that the Sixers in the mix, right, in the Atlantic, Sixers, Nets, Raptors, and you everything of D'Angelo Russell, if, I, if Irving's going to be with Brooklyn, then there's no way that Russell will be there too. And he's looking at you, Bulls, if you're looking for a point guard. <laughs> All right, so that's three teams, right? Yep. Then we go uh, Bucks, obviously. Pacers, who are overachievers this past season, even with the injury to Victor Oladipo. That's five, right? The
1: Pacers appear to be healthy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what did Siri just say? <laughs> she has
0: her thoughts on these. <laughs> Siri says the Pacers appear to be healthy. Oh, <laughs> well, all right. So that's the update of breaking Depot. news. Oladipo's doing well. <laughs> I love what that is. Siri's happens. awesome. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> um, you got five so far. Yeah, she, she doesn't talk to me at home, but she talks to me here at the office. <laughs> uh, like my marriage. Uh, so so five there, right? Yes. And then from there, um, so now we look at the Southeast. Wizards. You know, again, no. no, no, you know, Wall coming back from the injury is Peel going to be there? Peel is the guy that that should be on the move, but will not. I just I don't think. Um, Orlando, Miami, mm. okay. So then you know, uh, Atlanta, no, Uh-oh. Charlotte. If Kemba comes back, probably probably not. Even with Kemba no. back, so that opens the door for teams like the Pistons and the Bulls. Yep. <laughs> It's <laughs> wide open or, now. Or, or in the or in Eastern Conference, maybe they'll just go in seven. <laughs> Six.
1: Six quality teams. You got to PAX that now.
0: Yeah, so the Bulls mean, are a playoff team this yeah, year. Um, now you're looking for either that young team that just comes out of nowhere. You're looking for an Indiana resurgence for, um, you know, for a, a couple of teams, the, if, especially if the Bulls aren't ready. It's just it's interesting. This off season will tell you all you need to know. Now I just gave you I gave you eight now. Of course, that's going to change by the time we get into July. But it's interesting, it really is. <sighs> I love the idea that Al Horford's like, no, nah, I don't want to be here. I'm going to leave thirty plus million dollars on the table. I'll leave. I'll go to try to find a four year deal for a guy that's not, you know, is a nice player, but not one of these dynamic players that you can, boy. Well, we really need an Al Horford type. Uh, no one says that in NBA circles. To the point where I'm thinking Al Horford will take less to go to the Lakers. That might be the next move. Wow. (laughs) And then Kyrie, definitely out, right? That's that's something else. So it's a lot of movement going on in the NBA. It's it's really, really compelling. One question next. Jonathan Hood. Photoshoot
3: fresh. Looking like wealth. I'm about to call a paparazzi on myself.
0: Uh. On ESPN 1000. You're listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. here from Jordan Cornette in studio with me. We'll talk about the uh, NBA free agency, which is just amazing. So many different storylines and also his thoughts about the NBA draft. It's right around the corner Thursday at six o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. You know, people are, uh, People are busy weeknights. They got stuff to do. You know, some people don't have time for a full interview. But you know what? Some people do have time for. They do have time for one question.
1: You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Number one. Number one. Just one
0: question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. You know, uh, one of the things that I, I love sitting here at the First Midwest Studios is looking outside and seeing two dudes walk by flexing their Northwestern soccer shirts. Like, I mean, <laughs> and I'm just looking at them. I shrug my shoulders like, what, what? And they, they sheepishly keep walking like, like they should. <laughs> I don't even understand the point of that. Like, you're wearing a Northwestern soccer shirt. Thumbs up, pal. And the light emoji, too. Not even the dark fist, like the light emoji on that one, yeah. It's time for one question right here on ESPN 1000 in the ESPN app where we ask someone, we go through our phone. Peyton goes through his phone. Davis goes through his phone. We just try to find anyone to answer one question. And we go to Channel 9 and CLTV's own Jarrett Peyton is with us here for one question on ESPN 1000. JP, the Miami Hurricane, with us. JP, how are you? What's
1: up, Hoodie, man? I'm doing good. Watching little Cubs and uh, Sox right now at uh, WGN. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of nervous about one question. Well, what
0: is this question? Well, yeah, I mean, listen, man. You just never know what one question is, but you know where we go back, so you know I'm going to take care of you, right? Yeah, I got you. Okay, okay. All right, Jared Payton, here is your one question. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. What is the funniest moment or incident while playing football?
1: Oh, the funniest moment. Playing football? Like in a game?
0: Yes, in, in a game or outside the game. Around around the outside. game of football, yes.
1: Uh, um, outside the game would have to be at one point in time, we were in my dorm room at Miami. I was uh, rooming with Ken Dorsey and all the guys, uh, let's see, I mean, you can name names. All the guys were in there. Andre Johnson was in there. A couple of Philip Buchanan was in there. And the next thing you know, we get a phone call from all the seniors saying that they had uh, Clint Portis uh, tied up on a pole inside of our our <laughs> locker room with, like, saran wrap, and then water doused on him, and then they turned down the A.C. to low, and we had to come get him. And then next thing you know, we all had to jump in. My boy Jimmy pick pickup in, and we drove over there. We got him. By the time we got them, it was a it was a clash inside of the locker room with uh, the older guys and the young guys. Um, just things were going down. A lot of a lot of talking, Gatorade stuff being thrown, and uh, it was in a way some for us to prove ourselves to uh, the older guys. But Portis was not happy. He was sitting there with saran wrap around the pole, <laughs> and yeah, he was not happy at all. So things went down. But that but that was. It was a funny moment and a crazy moment all wrapped into one.
0: That is funny. Thanks, JP.
1: No problem, bro. <laughs> Jonathan Hood. If you know, you know. When we all clicking like Golden State. And you and your team are the motorcade. you know, you know. Oh. On
2: ESPN 1000.